Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is Jan. If you want to join the conversation, give Jan a call at 813-239-9663. She'll get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Today's Wavemaker is Joe Hamilton, publisher of the online news site St. Pete Catalyst and co-founder of the St. Petersburg Group. Welcome, Joe. Hello, Tom. Hello, Janet. Janet and I spent most of our professional careers in journalism, and like most people, we have watched and with alarm the rapid decline of the local media landscape. Tampa Bay is the largest media market in the country without a daily newspaper. The Tampa Bay Times, once the dominant newspaper in Florida, bought the Tampa Tribune six years ago, and shut it down. The Times figured the market wasn't big enough for two dailies, but it turned out not to be big enough for one. The Times has reduced its staff by more than half and prints only twice a week while publishing every day on its digital site, tampabay.com. Local TV has historically relied on newspaper reporters for story ideas and has remained relatively stable while radio reporting jobs have declined by about a fourth. Of course, Tampa Bay is not unique. The situation is bad all over. Newsroom newspaper jobs fell 57% between 2008 and 2020, from roughly 71,000 jobs to about 31,000, according to the Pew Research Center. This has profound implications for our democracy, which depends on an informed citizenry. As the Washington Post motto says, democracy dies in darkness. With print dying a slow death, digital news sites like St. Pete Catalyst have begun to fill the gap. The number of digital newsroom employees rose 144% from 7,400 jobs in 2008 to about 18,000 in 2020. So, Joe, you founded the St. Pete Catalyst uh, just over four years ago in January 2018. What made you think you could succeed in this difficult media landscape? Well, I... I, I I didn't come in with a news lens, so I'm not a news guy, have no news uh, in my past. And um, I came in as a community solution. I was working with a lot of of local organizations, uh, with the chamber, with the city, the economic development corporations, nonprofits, and there were a lot of good minds sort of coming around the table, coming up with cool things to do, good solutions for problems. And uh, we feel great about them, put them out into the community, and it just became kind of a whisper. You know, there, there just wasn't the good ideas weren't getting far enough. They weren't being amplified enough to reach enough people. And so, you know, that was the problem I was trying to solve. And the catalyst came out of, of sort of thinking through that and was part of a number of, of uh, efforts we made to to enhance our communication network. That's through your St. Petersburg group. Owner, yeah, the St. Right? Petersburg group, yeah. St. Pete Catalyst is the website, and that is a news site? St. Pete Catalyst is a news site. We have full-time journalists. Um, you know, at the, around the same time, we also, uh, you know, were, we purchased beachdrive.com and started to build a band, brand for Beach Drive. And the logic being there that this is an important place for St. Petersburg. It could be our South Beach, and nobody was really being intentional about building that brand. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a, coming from a marketing background, I'm a big 
believer in the power, the additive power of placemaking and branding um, to enhance quality of life. So you think about South Beach in Miami, the example I, I used already, you know, you can go have a, you know, a nice meal by the water and say, I had a nice meal by the water, right? Or you can say, I'm going to South Beach to have, you know, XYZ famous meal from XYZ famous chef at XYZ famous restaurant. That's something you anticipate. Mm-hmm. That's something you, you, you get, you know, joy and value from going into it. That's something you, you get enhanced value from ideally while you're going through it. And that's something you get enhanced value from afterwards when you go back and tell people about it. That benefits the person going through it. That benefits the restaurant. That benefits the region, the city. It benefits everybody. And, you know, that's, that's placemaking. And I think, you know, news and communication and getting the best ideas out there and getting a vehicle for the best stuff to grow and, and to germinate and, and to, you know, to, to grow value out of. Um, was really the lens I was looking through with the catalyst. But on more, you know, I, I do want to go back to what you said about news being in decline. And, you know, I think it really depends on the lens you look through as to whether a news has changed and a certain model of news is in decline. The large local news organization uh, that relies on advertising and has a big staff right? That's in decline. And there are pieces of that that are highly valuable that are going to be hard to replicate without that model, namely investigative reporting. Right. Um, But I do think that what's happened is there was a leap forward in the way people receive information, their expectations around information, you know, with the boon of social media, that news uh, in, in that particular manifestation didn't keep up with. And there were certain reasons for that. You know, the people that were running those things just didn't have that in their DNA. Um, obviously, the, the, there's that line between uh, you know, journalistic integrity and objectivity and all of that, which sometimes is a little bit weird when you think about social media. But to that end, I think that we are seeing people come in, like the Catalyst, amongst others, and you know, re-envisioning what, what news looks like. And you know, part of that is the whole objectivity thing is sort of in a weird place now. Like if mm-hmm. I say who's objective, right? There's nobody that comes to mind. Everybody, you know, they have maps out now that say where every news organization, you know, historically we never would have had a map laid out that says, you know, Fox is way over here, CNN's way over here. Right. And now they do. So the idea of objectivity has changed. I also think the expectations for expertise has changed because, you know, with the, with the information boom, our expertise, you know, if you're into left-handed butterflies, you can go deep, deep, deep into left-handed butterflies and you expect expertise that a lot of times, uh, you know, especially you know, a journalist who's cranking out a couple of stories a day isn't going to have. So I think tastes have changed for how people want to receive information. I think there's a different kind of awareness around objectivity um, that's ideally more ingrained. And, and again, this is not for better or for worse. It's more observations of what is. And so I think we are seeing news sprout in new and innovative ways in that a lot of the vacuums left by the old traditional model of, of the local paper are going to be filled and are being filled through these new innovative models. And that's something I want to hear about from our listeners. If uh, WMNF listeners, give us a call. If you're out there, um, 813-239-9663. Tell us, how do you get your news? Do you still subscribe to the Times and get that twice a week in print? Do you get the New York Times, the Washington Post in print? Do you do everything online? Do you get your news from your friends on Facebook, on Twitter? 
TikTok, how are you getting your news? Are you relying on some of the um, just websites? Do you go to the St. Pete Catalyst? Do you see them on social media? 813-239-9663. Or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and tell us, where do you get your local news from? How do you get your local news these days? 813-239-9663. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Florida politics publisher Peter Schorsch on our show talking about his effort at covering, obviously, Florida mm-hmm. politics yeah. online. Um, so he has a tight focus, and he's built a business around that small niche. It, 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 are you taking a similar approach? Uh, as opposed to uh, traditional media, newspapers were mass media. They were trying to get as many readers as possible. That's not necessarily your goal, or tell me what is your goal and what's your focus? Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Peter's. I think he's done a fantastic job. He's a great personality. He brings a lot of character and and just you know, it's just fun. To, he's fun to be around and fun to listen to. Um, we had him in at Tiger Bay a lot when we were working with them, and uh, you know he he definitely was someone that I I, uh, I examined closely as I was starting the Catalyst. Yeah, the Catalyst is about community. It's local. We you you will be hard pressed to find any national figures. You know, maybe if a national figure passes away and there's local tributes to that person, but. Um, we just we simply we are all about local, and uh, we are passionately local, and to the point of excluding national. Not just local, but local to the uh, focus on St. Pete. Yeah. So, so, so I, I noticed, for example, you had a recent story about Fairgrounds St. Pete. Yep. But may, it was really about the new uh, effort in in Tampa. Yep. And and you mm-hmm. made that connection to St. Pete. So tell us a little bit more about your focus on St. Pete. Yeah. So we sort of break our content down into into tranches. And so you know if it's business or arts news that is relevant to a St. Petersburg person, um, then we will we will publish it. And so you know we do want to be regional in that regard. Um, but if you start to break down our, our certain kind of the areas of the catalyst that give it a lot of its character are hustles, which are profiles of local artists and solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small businesses, um, influencers, uh, which is you know, profiles of what it sounds like of influencers. Um, we want those to be St. Pete um, because, you know, the idea is if you go on to a hustle and it's a, a really cool little coffee shop and you end up finding out it's in Brandon, you don't, you know, it's just not, it just it changes the brand a little bit. And so, you know, right now, uh, you know, we're working on, which I think we'll talk about in a minute, our, our, our next iteration of the Catalyst, which is growing into MetaCity. And once we get that platform built, the plan is to go and, and give Tampa its proper uh, Tampa MetaCity and Tampa Catalyst. Um, and the same will be true. You know, when there's, when there's, you know, when Raymond James or someone in St. Pete does something noteworthy that's, that's news to, to Tampa, that will go in the Tampa Catalyst. But those, you know, those small flavor flavor bites that we have, which are the influencers and the hustles and stuff, will stay local to the city. I want to read a couple of emails we have. Um, We got a text message um, from Bubba, who says, um, he subscribes to the Tampa Bay Times, but online only. I could no longer figure out how to get past the paywall, and I caved in. And I, the same for Tom and I, we subscribe to the Tampa Bay Times, but online only. I tried getting the print version of it. I, I got it, stopped, started again, and then I just felt like the papers were piling up and I felt really guilty about about never even opening the paper because I was reading everything online. Um, Bubba also asks, he wants to know um, how Joe feels about right of Fox news outlets like Newsman and OAN and what does he think about Trump claiming the news media is the enemy of the people? What's your thought on that, Joe? So I, you know... I'm going to answer this with a non-answer. Um, you know, for me and what I'm building, 
Uh, my sort of golden rule is to keep the most amount of minds open to my thinking and what I'm trying to do to build our community. And to that end, I find uh, micro opinion giving detrimental to that. So I just, I don't give them. So I, I have no thoughts on that. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about, you know, solutions for, uh, you know, for, for making our community better. But to Bubba's point, that is a business model for some media outlets is to uh, sure. go uh, far right, like Fox does mm-hmm. and some other online news sites, or go far left. The Florida Phoenix, I think, is a, is a liberal-leaning uh, News outlet based in Tallahassee. Yep. You've chosen to kind of keep it yes. uh, down the middle as much as you can. Yeah, uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, we're we are. Um, you know, we try to be our, our motto is ideas first, and you know, we try to be as objective as possible. I had actually a, a, someone who started with me in my previous business as sort of my right hand person, chief of staff, and ended up being the first editor for the Catalyst. And uh, we worked together for two, th- almost three years before she went to law school and. Upon leaving, she said, I've been working with you as your right hand basically for three years, and I still have no idea who you would vote for in an election. <laughs> and I thought that was, I was doing something right, you know. Um, and, and again, uh, we've got a phone call um, from Larry in Sarasota, so we're going to get Larry on the line in a minute. And if you want to call in, 813-239-9663. Tell us where you get your news. I'm very curious where people get their news, particularly local news. Larry, um, you're on the line. Um, what's on your mind? Larry, well, you were asking. Yeah, yeah. I said you were asking where you get local news. When I wake up in the morning, I listen. I'm in Sarasota, so I listen to SNN. It's a local channel as well as uh, their sister station for local news. Um, but mostly, it's on the internet for different news. And I and, I, and the nice thing about that is you can bounce around to you know seven different news sites and, and get different opinions. As we know, they bend it each way. So you you know you get the truth. But my girlfriend. Bill gets the newspaper, and what's interesting, you know, it's like it's like mail, it's snail news. Right. She'll say, "Oh, look here," and I'm like, "Yeah, I read that two days ago." Oh, okay. So I mean, you're you're more up to date when you're when you're reading it online. Now, Larry, are you going to news sites or are you getting to the news sites from social media? I go straight to the news site. What sites do you do you go to? Uh, I'll read the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, uh, Tampa, uh, Tampa newspaper, uh, Yahoo has news in MSNBC, Fox has a channel, a news site. Um, but where do you go for Sarasota news, Larry? Well, I, I do the Herald Tribune. Okay. Usually. Yep. Um, but you know what killed the newspapers, in my opinion? One of the big factors has been Craigslist. And, and the reason for that is the one ads cost so much money before because I'm a businessman and I put an ad in there and it was $150 for a little tiny bit in the one ad, you know? And uh, Craigslist is free. So that's what really hurt the newspapers in a big way when it came to advertisement because it's never been subscriptions that have held the newspapers up. It's the one ad. It's the advertisement. Right. Appreciate you saying um, that, Larry. That is dead on right. It's not just the classifieds, that which was a yeah. very big profit center, but also other advertising like example. automobile ads. Yeah, auto trader. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, as one gentleman said, it's kind of like making uh, harnesses for horses. Well, they got mad, too, when the cars came out. But if I was a newspaper, if I was a Herald Tribune, I wouldn't even charge for the uh, subscription online. I'd figure out a way to market it with, like, like they do it, like Facebook does, information. I'd sell the information. I would advertise 
there with other advertisers, and I'd pay, get paid to do it. And they're just, it's, they have to get on top of it. You know, they're stuck in that newspaper. I want to turn that page. You know, they, they, they have to get on top and learn how to make money doing it. Well, Larry, that's a perfect segue into um, a, a question for Joe, which is, what is your business model? Are you supporting your site, your news site with advertising, or is there are there other lines of business that help you support the news that you're producing? And thanks for the call, Larry. And just to add on to that, some some uh, approaches have taken the nonprofit model approach to news. ProPublica, for example, on a national basis, but you've chosen a for-profit model. I, yeah. I love Janet's question. What do you What do you think? Um, well, I, I want to just give a little bit of uh, love back to Craig Newmark, uh, who is the founder of Craigslist. He is, you know, sort of like Peter Benchley with Jaws. He, I think, he regretted what Jaws <laughs> did. And he's become, a, you know, a tireless advocate for sharks. Uh, but Craig, Craig Newmark is one of the biggest champions for local news and has given much of his fortune back to to local newspaper. Huh, local newspapers. Interesting. Yeah, and I've communicated with him about the Catalyst, and uh, just a fantastic guy and a real, you know, he is one of the leading champions for local news nowadays, uh, despite, and I would say that, you know, Craigslist was maybe the first, the first cut to mm-hmm. newspapers, but you know, the death blow came from the Googles and, and Facebooks yes. of the world. So, um, yeah, so I've, I do not like advertising. Um, I, I think there's space for a very reasonable amount of it. And this is just personal preference. And so I'm, I've from day one tried to find ways to, uh, to, to, to drive revenue um, and without advertising. And a lot of that is what will fall into MetaCity um, because I haven't really found uh, with just a traditional news model a good, you know, a good revenue model um, that's, you know, scalable, that just doesn't take a lot of work at, at a, mm-hmm. you know, for small amounts of money. So, uh, you know, one example would be our, our impact council um, was something I'm, I'm pretty proud of. And essentially, uh, as you know, we look at the biggest needs in the area and we develop sections for those. We have three sections, real estate, uh, startups, and nonprofits. Those were things that I wanted to really accentuate in, uh, in our area. And with, with the, uh, each section, we have a show. So we have, you know, impact catalyst, market catalyst, startup report for each of those. And then we have a special feature. So for the nonprofit section, we have the impact connector, which is ways you can get involved with the community and we keep that fresh. So you always have, you know, you can always go find a way to plug in and, and give back or get, be part of something. So with that, we thought, what would give value to the nonprofit community? Something that might give us revenue. Uh, so we came up with the impact council and we invited the, you know, 10 of the larger nonprofits to pay a monthly fee to be part of that. Um, and we sort of stacked the value. So, you know, at the traditional level, um, we have featured events. And so if they have a gala and they want to feature it, we'll feature it as an event. Um, you know, if they want to have a, a subject matter, so long as it passes muster uh, for our show, that's, hey, this, you know, we've done this really great project and we'd love to have, you know, one of the nonprofits on that we're working with or whatever and, and talk about, tell their story. Um, and we do give them some some display advertising as well. But we also have a person from our foundation who actually does a quarterly uh, project with each of them. So the last, last quarter it was on staffing. Everybody's suffering from not having enough staff, so we got all the, the 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 leaders of the of the local nonprofits together. They really enjoy just getting some time to interface with each other. They got a lot of value, traded great ideas with each other, uh, and then we did a you know did some research and some surveys and some work, and then published a piece on the state of of uh, of of nonprofit staffing using our impact council members as sort of the the you know, sources the, the sources, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then you know went out and said here's the jobs that are available. So you know we're helping them fulfill their mission. We're helping them be better at operating. And throwing in some advertising and some featured events and stuff, all wrapped into one really, you know, pretty affordable amount of uh, a monthly a monthly investment. And so, you know, that to me is it's sort of it's still you know at the end of the day it's still our distribution that gives us our value. Um, 
we also produce podcasts. You know, when we have we get paid to produce the podcasts and then distribute them. Um, Who do you produce them for? You produce them for nonprofits, or yeah? So we do one with the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay, and you know, again, it's a modest fee. It covers our mostly our uh, you know our editing and stuff. The uh, Deputy Mayor Mayor Kanika Tomlin from the Foreign Administration did a great podcast for us called Just Getting Started. Um, actually, Peter Schorsch had a podcast on our platform for a long time. Oh, uh, they did it with right. his wife. Is that yeah, the one that's they did? Right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He said, she said. I think he they said, called she it. She said, you got it. Yeah, right. So. Um, uh, we've got a couple other, I want to read a couple other emails and text messages. So we have um, Sandy Hawes, who tells us, um, I read and subscribe to various news sources for my daily updates, TBT online and print, New York Times online, Axios Tampa Bay online, Axios National, Daily Costs, OD Action, 1440 Daily Digest online. So all online other than getting the Tampa Bay Times twice a week. And then we have um, someone else who's asking, and this also is real. Um, uh, relevant. David Bryant um, sent us an email and wants to know, is the Tampa Bay Times compromised? Um, and I know Joe's not going to comment on this, but Tom and I can talk about it a little bit. Um, wants to know how, it, uh, David asks, what does your guest think about the Tampa Bay Times and how it covers people like Jeff and Penny Vinnick? They have been running glowing, fawning articles of the Vinnicks for years, but it was later revealed that the Vinnicks are also investors in the Times. This seems like a conflict of interest and shows the time is biased and compromised. And I, I haven't analyzed the um, Times coverage of the Vinix closely, but it's probably, I don't know how much different that is from large advertisers. You know, you hope that there is a bright line between your advertising and your revenue stream departments and your newsroom. Um, but certainly that is a, a good question, Dave, um, and it would be something worth noting a, a media critic to maybe look at the times and how their coverage is. What do you think, Tom? You might say the same thing about some of the stories they do about Publix. They often will right. do a story about, you know, the latest chicken tender subs or something like that. But I think they're actually That's motivated by more by looking at their analytics on their website and mm-hmm. saying when they do stories about Publix, people click on those stories. Yeah. Even if they don't like them. Or because, they, or, frankly, yeah. they're not getting much advertising revenue uh, from Publix. Uh, I, I, I mean, they are getting some, obviously, but... I don't think it's not enough to run. Not the paper. enough to run the paper, right? I, I don't think, but now you've got. I mean, what well, you're talking about the impact council, Joe. I mean, now that is to a certain extent, people are paying to have stories written about them, and it's the same thing. Like Eighty three degrees has a similar model where people pay to be part of the um, support the organization, mm-hmm. and then in return mm-hmm. they get stories about them. But eighty three degrees is another local online news. Uh, uh, a site, uh, and, and what they do is they get sponsors. Uh, for example, USF has been a sponsor in the past, but USF doesn't control the content. Mm-hmm. But you're doing other types of stories, like you did a story about Three Daughters Brewing, and there's a story about Ebor's Meat Yard project opening up in um, in um, Ebor City and and getting inspiration from the Warehouse Arts District in St. Pete. So you are doing hard news, not investigative journalism, but but news. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we're ninety percent hard news. Uh, so we, you know, we have sections that are we have partner stories, which are our I guess we call them advertorial section, and uh, we have community voices, which are non-journalists. So everything that's in our news section is by a journalist, and and anything that's in our community voices section or in our partner story section would not be by a journalist. So it's very clearly delineated. And I should add uh, to the discussion about the Times investors, which a lot of journalists had issues with particularly the fact that they kept them secret for so long. Um, but I, I, they have paid off those loans, and so whatever financial relationship they had at the time, 
is no longer there. We got another phone call. We have Rob and Thanota Sasa. Rob and Thanota Sasa, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to say that uh, I get most of my local news um, really from local television. I'm something of a Luddite. I, I, <laughs> I like TV and radio, and I, I uh, get, you know, I watch some of the local um, affiliate stations. Uh, and then I, I, I pick up times. I have a, a times, Tampa Bay Times in my den right now, but not regularly. Usually when I go to the grocery store or something like that. Um, one of the problems I see in papers is that it used to be such that, <clears throat> say, the Tampa Bay Tribune had a really uh, strong roster of critics, the music, excellent music critic, excellent movie critic, and so on. And uh, the uh, papers also had a lot of, a lot of local sports. And I think that as revenues declined, these were some of the first things that got trimmed. It's, it's almost like when colleges uh, you know, lacked tuition, they cut the arts department. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's one of the reasons uh, I picked up the Tribune was uh, not necessarily the news, uh, but for people like Steve Otto, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, the sports, uh, who, Tom McEwen. Tom McEwen, yep. They, they had a really deep uh, knowledge of the culture of the area. And as those... Things, but they were very high paid, and a lot of them, you know, either retired or were laid off. So uh, they were not replaced. And I think that, to me, a lot of the reason for buying a local paper diminished. You know, you start to get to know the characters, the people. You know, the columnists. You know, the the people who are writing about movies and music. Yeah, it's not a faceless uh, critic in New York City. You know, it's somebody that you know. And you depend on, you know, and you sort of understand their aesthetic. Um, it's sad. I live out in, the, in a rural area, and as I drive home, I still see the orange uh, paper, you know, Tampa Tribune boxes, and they sit there like ghosts. I know. The boxes are very sad. They're kind of sad like payphones. <laughs> you <laughs> right, exactly. see them. <laughs> you put a coin in it, and no one answers. <laughs> anyway, it's a good show. I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying it. All right, thanks, thanks so much for the call, Rob. One thing I want to, I want to, just because I know WMNF listeners are pretty precise about where their money goes and just understanding the cycle of money. And, and one of the things I do think that is detrimental to local journalism that doesn't get covered enough or doesn't have a high enough awareness is what I would call the, the intermediary sort of content thieves. And, you know, we, we've named a couple of them today where they actually take other people's reporting mm-hmm. um, and, you know, Obviously, the Facebooks of the world and the Googles of the world. And, you know, Google is, is really getting bad now where you'll put a question in and the answer, you know, comes up in that box at the top. So you never even have to go click on the site, right? Mm-hmm. And there are other, you know, other news organizations who are coming in and they, you know, one of them was just mentioned and they're essentially running off the back of everybody else's reporting, adding, a, you know, a tiny bit, like 5% more additional original flavor to other people's reporting and then competing for all the same advertisers. You know, aggregators, and, they call them. Yeah, aggregators, right, right? yeah. And, and, you know, and, so let's just go ahead and say Axios Tampa Bay. Does largely mostly, an aggregator. Mostly an aggregator. They have two full-time reporters. Uh, ben Montgomery has been on this show yep. before. Uh, but And they do a very good job, but they have two reporters, and they spend, most, they spend much of their space devoted to aggregating other content, correct? Yes. Yeah. That, that's what and, and, and it is a service, and their add-on personalities do add value. Um, as does you know Facebook's convenience of having having all the stuff in one space. Theoretically, they're driving traffic to those other news sites, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, yes. Yes, you're yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, I'll, when I go to the aggregators and we'll click on the stories. Um, we have a follow-up from Sandy who says, in addition to news I read, I do listen to WNS Public Affairs Programming from 9 to noon weekdays, and thank you. Um, we um, appreciate that. Um, there, You will find a lot of local news on WMNF from 9 to noon every day, every weekday. Um, lots of great public affairs programming on, on WMNF, so um, appreciate that. Shout out from you, Sandy. Let's get a call from Robert and St. Pete. Robert and St. Pete, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, I just wanted to comment that my wife worked at the Tampa Bay Times for quite a few years, and you need to make a list of the customers that they lost because they would, they wrote stories that weren't flattering. They've lost really huge accounts uh, because they would do that. Uh, I would say that, um, you know, and customers can buy space in the Tampa Bay Times to write a story about themselves. Um, and that's another way readers read it. They think that it's a story by the Times, and it is, but it was bought and paid for by the customer. Right. Aren't those generally, uh, aren't they uh, uh, promoted as uh, uh, content that's been provided by someone? It's paid advertising? They, they are, but not everybody reads that. Gotcha. Not everybody knows that. And one other thing I point out, too, is that the Tampa Bay Times is partly owned by the Pointer Institute. No, they are owned completely by the Pointer Institute. Right. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's the school of journalism right now about. Um, they're the sponsor of PolitiFact. I mean, if there's any newspaper in the country that's accurate, it's the Tampa Bay Times. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks, thanks so for much. the call, Robert. And if you, um, okay. listeners, if you, anybody wants to weigh in and tell us where they get their news, how you get your news, and how do you discern between news that is accurate and news that maybe is paid news or news that is not accurate at all, fake news, give us a call, 813-239-9663, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. I, will, I do want to talk about MetaCity for a second, but before we get to that, I want you have a newsletter. I'm curious how people get to your, your, your content. Are they going directly to your homepage, or are they finding it through other means? Uh, so we have about uh, 10,500 daily subscribers, so our daily edition is called The Daily Spark. Which you know may have been a confusing branding move, but uh, <laughs> so the catalyst is the site, and the catalyst puts out the daily spark, which is was what we call our uh, our daily edition. That's every Monday through uh, Saturday at four p.m. So, like I said, about ten, just over ten thousand five hundred subscribers on that. Um, and then you know we get picked up by all the usual Googles and Facebooks of the world, and occasionally Axios, and uh, uh, you know the mayor and all the news, you know, all the local, you know, people who are just posting relevant stuff and then, uh, you know, a lot of social shares and stuff. So it's actually relatively evenly divided between what I would call social direct website visits and, and subscribers. And then you have another arm that's unrelated to news, which is book publishing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's another one of those placemaking exercises that I had mentioned at the, at the top of the program. We started St. Petersburg Press to help, uh, to help build our literary scene. Uh, we do about 12 books a year, um, some great books. Uh, our first book, actually, that we ever published was Paul Wilborn's book mm. and, uh, and you know, stories of, of back in the day in Ybor City and uh, won the, uh, the gold medal for fiction in Florida. Um, we just did Carrie Christman's memoir, uh, Accidental First Lady, Mayor's Wife, um, Peter Kagayama, who's famous for his For the Love of Cities book, just did his 10th anniversary edition uh, with us, and um, Tom Gribben, who runs Mahaffey and has mm-hmm. been a long-time guy in bands and around musicians 
I put out a book with some great stories. Saltwater Cowboys. I'm sure a lot of the yes, fans are familiar with Tom Griffin. Yeah. I think we need to have him on this show. Definitely. A, I had just had that thought. And also, if you anybody out there has an idea for a Wavemakers, go ahead and send us an email, dj at wmnf.org with Wavemakers in the subject line, and, and uh, we'll consider having them on the show. So let's talk about uh, this big project, MetaCity. What's that all about? Yeah, MetaCity is an expansion of the Catalyst methodology. Essentially, you know, we're having good success getting our, you know, our community voices section is growing. We have regular contributions from USF, um, from, you know, like I said, from politicians, from uh, city council people, from nonprofits, from, you know, thoughtful folks. And the content is really good. And um, we've set a culture for good content. And, you know, that could take us down a little bit of a rabbit hole of, you know, of kind of what is, conflict of interest, what is, you know, I, th- I just, I do think the the way people are receiving info, info is changing and some of the old, people are just more discerning now and a little, in theory, better to, to, to take information from different places. Um, but that's a lot of what social media has, has brought up, right? So like I said, going back to my silly left-handed butterfly example, if I want to know about those, I'm going to go on YouTube and find an expert and I know he's going to be biased for left-handed butterflies, and I know that going in, but he's also going to have the most expertise. Mm-hmm. And so it's always a balance between understanding and a bias, which everybody has, uh, and understand the value of expertise. And that's the new the new balance that we're trying to create. People need to be smarter consumers of news, Absolutely. more than more so than they ever did. Yeah. And so MetaCity is, you know, it's just taking advantage of, of, of blockchain and some of the uh, utility that that unlocks. It's taking advantage of a, an emerging brand theme and this whole idea of, of this virtual living, but it's applied to a city. So it's it's like a virtual overlay for a city, but underneath it, mining all that good content up and all those good ideas up into the meta city, we're going to be building tools at a grassroots level. So we'll give uh, every neighborhood association, we'll give them a newsletter tool. Uh, and you know, a lot of these things that you'll hear about, they're already doing this. They're already sending out newsletters. We're just going to give them a free way with extra value uh, so uh, you know, we'll give artists online galleries. We'll give schools sports reporting tools. Um, and we'll give nonprofits ways to to have events and and you know mint NFTs in, in the support of those events and uh, you know all that good stuff. But now when somebody writes a letter on walkability in their neighborhood, that would have gone to the 400 households, you know, and maybe a little bit more on Facebook. Now can actually roll into our distribution and and go to. Uh, you know, go out on their profile, uh, go out to their constituents via the email like normal, um, but then maybe get into our best of neighborhood writing uh, mm-hmm. section or if it performs well there, then go out into the Daily Spark as one of our community voices pieces. So it forms this giant idea meritocracy that we mine up all this great content through these tools onto this online platform. And how far away are you from that uh, idea turning into reality? Two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. Yeah, that's the, yeah we're in it. We just uh, started a capital raise to build the platform um, once we build the tech, then we'll be able to just you know spin it out easily in cities. So we'll go to Tampa first. We'll build Tampa MetaCity, a Tampa Catalyst. You know, obviously St. Pete MetaCity, St. Pete Catalyst, and every city, uh, the Catalyst will be that core, uh, you know, news provider. And what we'll do is, you know, after we get past our regional low-hanging fruit, we'll look for the cities around the country that have lost their newspaper or whose newspapers have been purchased by some of those vulture VC firms that have gutted them, you know, and really decreased the quality and creating a vacuum for local news that we can fill. So let's reintroduce our guest. Uh, we're speaking with Joe Hamilton, publisher of the online news site St. Pete Catalyst, co-founder of the St. Petersburg Group, and as you just heard, he is going to be launching a big project at some point, once he gets $2 million, called Meta City. But, Joe, you mentioned that you didn't come at this from news. You're not a news guy who wanted to reinvent news. You came at this from technology and marketing? Well, let me, let me start even before that. You were a deadhead, weren't you? 
<laughs> Let's just go to that. I was a traveler. You were a traveler. Yeah. Okay. I was a traveler. That, you were young, yeah. experiencing the world, yep. and you spent some time in Europe traveling around, right? I spent five years backpacking around the world, all over the place. Yeah. Wow. It was, a, it, was a, it, was a big, it was a big endeavor. What were those years? Uh, my late 20s, 25 to 30, essentially. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what did that do for you? Um, it, it showed me the commonality in people, uh, you know, and, and sort of st- you know, stripped away the sort of arbitrary, uh, unique beliefs that people had and, 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 and the, whatever the, that sort of common thread was that people had, um, you know, that was, that was probably the biggest thing. And I had a lot of fun too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you came back to reality and, uh, how did you get to where you are now? Where'd you start and how'd you get here? Um, well, I, uh, I met my lovely wife, uh, who's a Brit, and she was in Thailand. We met and uh, lived in you know Wales for a while together, and decided to move back here, um, and just sort of uh, started looking for work and couldn't find anything I really liked, and uh, started an agency, um, which unintentionally morphed into a marketing agency. I mean, this is all just sort of random details. Uh, no, it's interesting to how you got. It. What was your yeah. major in college? Uh, I went to five undergrads. And uh, one grad, uh, and I, I moved. I bumped around. I think my final degree was in management information systems. And then I got an MBA from UF uh, in uh, entrepreneurship and finance. Okay, so parents out there, if you're worried about your kid getting out of college or bumming around Europe, look what can happen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, they should absolutely. I recommend everybody do the gap year and, and travel. Or the gap five years. Or the gap five years. Yeah, I was a little more intense. <laughs> so you were you, you morphed into a marketing uh, firm. Yeah, and so I, I got really lucky. Um, we met. Uh, so I had my my uh, friend. Zui and I, he was my business partner. We had a company called Think Tank, and we started hanging out uh, with uh, our kids, went to the same Montessori school, a woman named Andy, who had a great agency called Big C, um, which is still thriving. It's up, I think, up to 50 employees now. So we all merged together. And the way it worked out, Andy loved the marketing and design piece of it. Zui loved the tech piece of it. And I was kind of left floating around, right? And so I, that's where I got heavy into the civic stuff. You know, it was, it was sort of like, let's get out into the community and start volunteering and being useful. We helped, you know, rebrand the chamber. We branded the CPEDC and, uh, you know, just got that, those civic roots in at that point, just by sheer luck of, of having this, this, you know, free time and sort of a, a you know, a, a biz dev sort of mission to get out into the community. And it just started looking like a puzzle to solve that, you know, really it's just, uh, there was some inef- clear inefficiencies and, and I started uh, seeing ways just like, oh, if we put this from the left over here on this and the right, it's going to work better. And, and, uh, and, you know, started just hanging out with people who felt the same way. And it was very organic. It's, and it was just kind of cool. Working with nonprofits a lot. Yeah. Um, we have had a, a number of uh, CEOs of uh, nonprofits, uh, presidents or folks who are involved in nonprofits on this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you, it sounded like it's, you were having a hard time getting uh, the oxygen that nonprofits need, which is attention and publicity and getting the information out there about it. Would you say that's true? And how important are nonprofits, in your view, to the community? WMNF is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I'm involved in a nonprofit, the uh, yeah. Tampa Tiger Bay Club. Uh, so what, uh, what? Well, attention is everybody's oxygen. You know, yeah. that, that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. And, and so the, really the goal is, uh, yeah, again, the idea meritocracy is not for me to say, but it's to present as many ideas as possible so that people can choose which ones to resonate with them the most. And, and just to make sure that some of those great opportunities and great ideas don't get uh, you know, buried because they just didn't get enough attention. So Let's take another call. We've got Dave in Tampa on the line. Dave, Dave in Tampa, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Thank you. Uh, yes, I get my news from WMNF. Excellent. Uh, love, uh, and I'll tell you why. I love the, uh, the variety. It's important to have two stations. One example is 
that you have Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman on. Mm-hmm. I really doubt seriously the other public radio in town will have them. Uh, she is very controversial, but very accurate in my opinion. But she is has a lot of people against many of the things that she says. And so I really thank you for having her and many other good content on. I really think it makes a difference to have local media. I applaud all the efforts and especially a shout out to you guys for a lot of the content you can't get elsewhere. Well, thanks so much, Dave. Dave, We appreciate that. And um, of course, any of you listening out there, if you love WMNF and your public affairs program programming here, go to WMNF.org and you can make a donation. Go ahead and hit the tip jar and select Wave Makers. The Sustainable um, Living Show yesterday had a wonderful segment. I encourage everybody to, look, uh, to listen to it who was interested in backyard chickens as Jenna and I are. We have backyard chickens and there's lots of good information on there that you're not going to find in local uh, news outlets. Right. That Sounds like a great name for a band. <laughs> Sustainable Living? No, Backyard Chickens. Oh, Backyard Chickens. <laughs> the, um, and that show's on Mondays from 11 to noon. So um, you were talking about um, civility. Um, well, not civility, but you were talking about not having strong opinions. You want to be able to present ideas without judgment. Talk to us about how you moderate your site. Do you, are you trying to keep the people who engage and post on your site and to respond civilly, or is it, an, is it a free-for-all? Well, it's definitely not a free-for-all. We have very clear posting guidelines, and we do moderate everything, including even comments. And, you know, this was something that I did as an experiment when we first started, and I wasn't sure, you know, because I believe very much in free speech. Uh, you know, but I also look around our, our world, and I see that, you know, that people set themselves up and, and platforms set themselves up for failure by by you know inviting that and there are plenty of examples of you know people trying things like a church for example i mean you know you don't people don't go into a church and, and act and say whatever comes to their mind and even a store or you know there's just plenty of examples where there's general codes of conduct um, that are beneficial to the environment and so you know for whatever reason social media has uh, set the expectation that's not the case, that you can just go on and do whatever you want, bully anybody or say Because you don't have to look on. anybody in the eye, Yeah, I think, because you're doing it from home. I often think if these people were at my house for a party, I'd ask them to leave. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. And so, you know, I, I realized that a lot of these social media platforms, you know, were trying to change things that they'd already, you know, get, take away something they'd already given. And so I realized we had to not give it in the first place, which is, you know, these are our expectations. And I can say without a doubt, I'm, I've been shocked by how easy it has been and how much people have appreciated it and responded and how many people have said, I've given up social media because every time I go on there, I just get blasted. But I feel like I can present my ideas here and it's a, it's a you know, space where um, you know, it, it, they'll be respected and I'm not going to get, you know, our general rule is if it, if it shuts down the conversation and, and you know, does the whole you lefty this, you righty that, stuff that is not about the idea, then it doesn't have a place in right. our, our, our local Right, name-calling, when you're attacking yeah. people and calling them names, which is, is, you can tell me all you want about, you know, what you don't like about Ron DeSantis if you want, but don't, it doesn't help me if you're calling him to Satan or whatever. That doesn't, that's not intelligent. <laughs> and and not, at that point, you're having what's a battle of identities, really. People, you know, and that's the big thing that social media has has done to our our, our world is, 
It is infused ideas with identity. And so it's so hard to unseat people's ideas because you're unseating, their, you're invalidating their identity if they do that. And so, you know, that's why by being heavy on ideas and, 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 and forbidding, you know, people from bringing the identity element into it and making it about the ideas. And then, you know, we have mechanisms to circulate those ideas too. A, you know, a good comment will go out in our daily spark in a big visual place, right? And the loop mm-hmm. back to the article. To oh, so you're amplifying the people who are participating. Yes. Yeah. We're amplifying behavior that we want. Well, right? I love the focus on ideas. I had a, a, a great editor once in, in, in my past, uh, David Bergen, who used to preach at the Orlando Sentinel. An idea itself is news. If you haven't thought about it, if you haven't heard about it, that's news. And what he was trying to do was to get us to put, pull back a little bit from court dockets, mm-hmm. city council agendas, school board meetings, and focus a little more broadly, which it sounds like you're doing. At the same time, how big is your staff? Three full-time reporters? Three full-time reporters. It is hard to cover a city the size of St. Petersburg mm-hmm. with three people. How do you do that? I don't know that we do. I mean, yeah. I mean we do our best. You, know, you do your best, yeah. yeah. And uh, do, you, do you hope or do you see that growing? Do you depend on a, uh, an expanded audience to get a larger staff? No. Uh, I, I'm the, the, the Metacity model is you know, we, we provide the tools. So if you think about all the tools that are in the internet right now, there's the Patreons of the world, there's subscription management tools, Substacks, uh, mm-hmm. there's Ad Rev Share and all that stuff. We want to provide all those tools, and I want that you know, person who wants to be the wine expert in town to give them the vehicle mm-hmm. to make their own way with that. And the person... You know, so and, and the point is, and this is where the Metacity model really fits, is like if you're trying to be the next great international dessert chef du jour, you go on YouTube and you do cool videos of you making your desserts and you get a national or an international audience. If you're trying to be St. Pete foodies or you're trying to be, you know, St. Pete hip hop or whatever hyperlocal, it's really hard to build an audience on YouTube or anywhere else. And in and, and this Metacity idea with this, you know, this distribution is where this local stuff can thrive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would prefer that we have, you know, 50 other journalists that the community has rewarded with attention and support making their living on our platform that aren't our employees. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got another caller. We have Patrice in Zephyr Hills. Patrice in um, Zephyr, Hill, Zephyr Hills, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hey, thank you. Um, I, I'm so grateful for this radio station. I passed through Florida last year and I discovered Ian Masters on this station and oh my god he's so fabulous so thank you for introducing me to him oh excellent we love hearing from uh, WMNF lovers oh my god so great and I do want to become a member I don't live here but I do want to become a member and and totally support this fabulous radio station and um, I I live in Chicago and I believe it was Sinclair that that horrible outfit um, purchased I believe Chicago Tribune you guys might know and or the Sun Times. Yeah, Sinclair is a far right um, media company. Yeah, just so horrible. And um, so, could you? I came in late. Could you please remind me of what you were sharing? Because I've heard other journalists um, say that now you guys are independently trying to get together to form. Did you say something across the nation? Your own. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Is this Where the Metacity model, that Joe? Maybe the, maybe she's referring to your Metacity idea. Probably. Yeah, the the Metacity is a, is pods is the best way to think of it. So there'll be an individual city. So we you know we would have uh, you know Peoria Metacity, and there would be a, a you know Peoria News Staff, Peoria Catalyst. Uh, I don't know why I pick Peoria, but some small city, right? Um, or medium city or whatever. Uh, and and there would be that staff, um, and then the model would 
would would help bring in content from other sources like schools and nonprofits and neighborhoods and uh, into you know to complement what our hard hard news staff is doing. If you're just tuning in, um, we are, our guest is Joe Hamilton, who is the founder of St. Pete Catalyst um, and the St. Pete Group. St. Pete Group. Um, and St. Pete Catalyst is a, a news site, um, news and information site, I think we'd call it a news and information site, because there's just a lot of information about the community there. So um, we had a, a, a listener who said, um, I came in late. Who are we listening to? I like where he's coming from. So that's Joe Hamilton from the St. Pete Catalyst that you're listening to. Uh, Janet mentions information, and, and you know, that the raises the question of what is news, but let's focus on information for a second, because, um, and I want to have a shout out to Creative Loafing, because I think Creative Loafing has really stepped up during the pandemic and really lifted its game online and provides a lot of information that I want, especially for WMNF listeners about music, uh, arts events, and things like that. Do you, do you, is there a way I could go to St. Pete Catalyst and find out what's going on tonight? Um, not as not as granularly as Creative Loafing. They're 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 heads above in in sort of aggregating events. We do have a, an events calendar. We feature three events every day in our daily edition. Uh, daily edition. Oh, spot. okay. And, uh, and we do have a calendar. And, you know, we actually have built, uh, we haven't pushed it to just, you know, a distributed calendar. It's actually a WordPress plugin. And the idea will be, we sort of put it on hold until MetaCity comes online. But the idea is that we'll uh, have a community calendar that can plug into any website and it'll, you can post it and, you know, choose private or public. And if you choose private, it's just your calendar, your site. Or if you choose public, it gets sent to the database and spread out to everybody else's site. So people will be able to populate it, basically. Yeah. They but want I can, to promote I can their tell events. You five years at, uh, at TampaBay.com, the Times website, we found one of the biggest challenges was just getting the information from the venues, the art galleries, uh, whatever, you know, with, we we tried to our, give them yeah. tools to do that, but frankly, the tools were not really as user friendly as they needed to be. And the tools make you come to the time site and do it right. So our exactly. our idea is that we'll give you a plugin that goes on your own site. You're already adding stuff on your own site. Kind of the same logic as with the neighborhood association newsletters. They're already sending newsletters. We're just going to give them a, a deeper value prop with the newsletter that you know they can still send their newsletter. But hey, your you know what you write in your newsletter may also go to twenty five thousand you know uh, mm-hmm. Catalyst readers. Will people be able to do subscriptions? You talked about Substack, so yes. people, so there'll be writers that will be able to be on there, and they'll be able to get subscribers. Definitely. So it's just a hyper local social media site, is what you're That's you're right. really talking about. That's right. And will you be able to moderate the content to keep it hyper local? What if somebody posts pictures of their dinner or their trip to Boston? Yeah. So we segment the content inside the the distribution, outside the distribution. So when we give a when we give a journalist or a writer or neighborhood association the tools, what they do with those tools is completely up to them uh, without moderation because that's theirs. You know, we're not trying to step into, we're not trying to get in, in, into their their world that way. For that content to make it into our distribution and go out to our, our user base, then it would get moderated. Now, Joey, I know you said that you didn't come at this whole St. Pete Catalyst from a news lens. It's from a, you started off as a, an, a marketing and information IT guy, but where do you get your news can you tell us where you get your news? Um, I get my news. Um, I don't consume a lot of news, believe it or not. So I, 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 you know, stay abreast. I put, I actually physically put out the Daily Spark every day. So I'm, you know, I'm seeing that. Um, I, uh, YouTube. I, I spend most of my time on YouTube. Oh, Tom loves YouTube. Tom spends a lot of time on I do, YouTube. I do. Uh, when I was going to uh, start raising backyard chickens, I watched a lot of backyard chicken uh, videos. Ten thousand hours of backyard chickens on YouTube. It's uh, yeah. shocking, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very useful tool. Um, so you do news sites on YouTube, or you're just 
So um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just not that. I'm not that compelled to, to, to say abreast of current events. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really studying blockchain. I'm studying tokenomics and, and building this. You know, the economics infrastructure. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of 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 things that I'm just interested in learning. That's what I spend most of my my time consuming. You know, a previous caller brought up the issue of uh, the Times having uh, written uh, a tough story about a business or a person and losing advertising as a result of that. Um, which I, 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 I get that's something that, frankly, uh, in uh, newspapers, we were kind of proud of that. You know, you're not going to influence us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you, how do you, do you take a little slightly different approach uh, with news stories, uh, a more positive spin yes. you try to put on them? Or tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, and this is independent from, you know, any concerns about advertisers. You know, we are a community benefit platform. And so, you know, we could write a story, and kind of a you know old example I give is there was a, a bunch of stories that came out about how our, our, we have a talent deficit here, right? And, mm-hmm. we, and and our response was to do a five part series, digging in with companies about how they're being creative of, of being creative with programs and partnerships, and and to get more talent and mm-hmm. publishing publishing that. You're saying the same thing. We need more talent, right? But you're you're doing it in a way that actually has some useful solutions to it. And Instead so, of do, just gloom and doom and everything right. is terrible and the world is that's falling, right. yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And to me, that 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 comes to I do feel like you know we are the sum of our inputs, and whether that's being positive and high quality of life and diversity and all of that, you know, I if if I'm going to influence our inputs as a community, I want them to be diverse. I want them to be positive. I want them to be aspirational. Um, and I think you can transmit the technical information in that package as well. Mm-hmm. So the housing crisis in St. Petersburg, for example, have you we're doing, yeah. So the next series we're actually you know, very timely. The next series we're going to do is to lay out what are the solutions. Like we, I don't feel people really understand the full suite of tools we have in our toolbox to, to work on. Whether it's you know the, the 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 hot button rent control kind of stuff, or whether it's how you build the codes for requiring you know size and affordable housing for the developers to come in. There's so many different strategies we can use, and different ones apply in different situations. And so one of our next series that we'll be launching in the next month will be digging into the possible solutions. Well, we'd certainly like to hear about that because we've had two or three shows about the uh, housing crisis and the solutions are very difficult to pin down. So I I hope you can figure that one out. Um, Thanks for being on the show with us today, Joe. We really appreciate it very much. Thanks to um, Jan for answering the phones for us. And thanks to all of the um, callers and um, folks who emailed us with questions and comments. Um, Up next will be music from Harrison Nash from noon to three. And then the Lulus will be on from three to six. And then the Freak Show from six to eight, um, which... um, is always is always fun. Um, and then Friday, noon to one, Art in Your Ear. If you're interested in learning more about what's happening in the world of arts in the Tampa Bay area, Art in Your Ear with Joellen Chilke is a great show to listen to. Um, she'll be talking, always talking about what's happening in the theater scene, the museum scene, um, and the music scene. Um, but up next is going to be um, Harrison Nash right after the NPR News. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. Thank <laughs> you.